Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio. Brought to you by OnPay, Atlanta's new standard in payroll. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Atlanta Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, OnPay. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Today on Atlanta Business Radio, we have Forrest Tough with One Vision Productions. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Lee. I am so excited to get caught up with what you got going on. Tell us about One Vision Productions. How are you serving, folks? So basically, we're a media production and branding agency, and our job is to make other companies look good. We tell their stories through various media outlets, and we work with them to get their best message out to their consumers. But your business also is beyond just the actual act of production, right? You're helping people in a lot of ways, speaking, coaching, philanthropy. There's tons more facets to this than just uh, producing videos and media, right? Yeah, absolutely. But as far as One Vision Productions, that's where it started. That's where everything kind of spearheaded just with that mission to just make our customers look good. And so now it's grown into other aspects, as you said, you know, speaking, training and doing other things to help businesses grow. So for the folks out there that maybe are right now working in one space, how do do you kind of expand into those other complementary services? How did that come about? You know, actually, it was kind of organic. You know, working in this media space, I actually had someone to say to me, hey, we having a conference and we'd love for you to come out and speak. And in doing that, they asked me, you know, how much would they would it cost for me to come out and speak? And so that started my professional speaking. You know, I wasn't really thinking about it, but that was the catalyst that got me going in that space. And for years, for about seven years, I wanted to give back to other organizations. So I became a mentor with SCORE. That's a resource partner through the Small Business Administration. And so I had the opportunity to mentor hundreds of businesses and teach workshops and help individuals grow their business and actually help others sustain their businesses. So that's how some of these other things started to branch out from just the production. So that's a great lesson for entrepreneurs is to always be open to other things, to not just go, okay, this is all I do. So you know, I'm not interested in anything else. So if something's interesting to you, you should kind of pursue it a little bit, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one thing I always say about business, because we're in the business and I always tell people we're in the business to make money. Yes, we're serving a customer, but we're in the business to make money, support our lifestyle, support our families and kids and other things. So you have to know when there's an opportunity for you to pivot and create more revenue and not pigeonhole yourself if that opportunity makes sense. So I will say this, if it makes sense and you can prepare yourself mentally and get the things you need to help you make those pivots, then I think it's great to continuously grow your portfolio. So um, how do you kind of decide if something makes sense or not? Do you have kind of a a checklist? Uh, Is there some philosophy that helps you decide, okay, I'm going to pursue this or I'm not going to pursue that? Yeah, I operate out of the storytelling vein. It's kind of weird, but when I started out doing this video thing, even when I was a kid, it was just video, tell stories, capture memories. So as I started a business 20 years ago, that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to continue to tell stories. And as it grew, we started to tell stories, not only from a wedding, 
from films, but also we're telling the stories of government agencies, corporations. So I'm in that vein. And when I got into public speaking, I was doing the same thing. I was telling stories. I was finding ways to share things that would help others to grow. And so is the same with coaching, listening to stories and and listening to people. And so it's all about really taking the time to care about people, listening to people. And that's usually the things that helped me to find out what I could be interested in. Now, throughout your whole career, you've um, been recognized as, you know, best and brightest, best of Georgia, great place to work, all all these kind of, um, all this recognition around kind of really the culture of your company. How did you kind of build a culture that um, gets recognized so often, what what were some of like where did you go for mentorship or for learning in order to build a team and a community that you've done so far? I think one of the things that originally helped me was coming up. I played sports. I played sports at a collegiate level. I actually wanted to play professionally, but due to an injury, I didn't go. So I did play at the collegiate level, and I learned how to work within the team since I was a kid. So I use those same principles when I work with people. I had a small stint where I worked in retail and corporate, and there were some things that I may not have agreed with, but there were also some things that were very valuable in terms of team building and those exercises. So I use that positive mantra of reinforcing people and letting them know the vision and being a part of that vision, because when people can take ownership of something and you also support them to grow, Oftentimes it can have a positive effect. So in my case, that's what I did. And that's how I've been able to have such an impact with not only my team members, but just individually and just the things that we've done with our clients and customers over a period of time. Now, what are some do's and don'ts maybe for some young leaders uh, and then even some that have come through sports? Because in sports, for every nurturing, benevolent dictator like coach, there's the you know, kind of my way or the highway, I'm, you know, listen to me or I'm going to yell at you or uh, humiliate you. Um, Any do's or don'ts for that new leader? Because sometimes there's some, you know, poor examples, especially in the world of sports. Absolutely. I think training is necessary. I would be remiss to say that all of these things that we've accomplished were without training. So if you find yourself in an area where you recognize that you may not have the best training or the most knowledge, go get it. Anytime I wanted to step out into another arena, just like public speaking, it wasn't something I just jumped into. I actually went and trained with Toastmasters and then I became a member of the National Speakers Association. So it took time and training, even with your team members taking leadership classes. So those are the things I would encourage anyone is that as you move into these new spaces, There's so many different certifications or trainings that you can take to not only become better at what you do, but to also help your team become better. So that for me is how I did it. And I would encourage anyone that's embarking in entrepreneurship or any type of leadership to make sure that you stay on top of training and always listen. Now, when it comes to coaching or training, how do you kind of discern which are the people that really know something and then who is somebody who might 
just be saying they know something because it's kind of the Wild West out there. And it's hard to tell because people can look slick on a one page website and, you know, they can be persuasive even in person. But how can you tell um, or how do you kind of recommend vetting what's a good coach? Like who's a good coach and who's maybe, you know, need need some more time? Well, I would say interview the person that you're going to hire to be your coach. You know, one of the things that I, I did personally before I became a coach, and this isn't for everyone, is I was a score mentor for almost eight years. I spent a lot of time learning just how to listen to people, how to find the right information. And once I did that, I began a journey with Transformation Academy to become a certified master life coach. So there's a process for me that took anywhere from eight to 10 years. Now, that's not to say everyone has to have that same journey. But for me, I wanted to make sure that I had a history and I had people that could verify the work that I've done. And I would say for someone who's embarking on working with someone, if you don't feel comfortable, ask for references, try to find people that can attest to what they've done and how they were able to support them in their growth. So that's the thing. I would just do your due diligence. You don't have to get caught up in social media, but you know, find out what you know from them, spend some time talking to them. So when you were deciding, um, you know, you say, okay, I'm going to be a coach now. This is important to me. I think I could provide more value. How did you kind of land on transformational leaders? Like what I'm sure you went through some, you had to kiss some frogs, right? You had to go and go, okay, this one isn't for me. You know, this isn't resonating. This one is more of a fit. Like how did you go about choosing transformational leaders? Well, I actually go through that vetting process myself. When I'm working with someone, I'm not just eager to, hey, let's give me your money and I'll coach you. I actually find out what is the end game? What are they trying to accomplish? Who are they? Because that that coaching fit is more like a is synergy. It's like a team, if you will. We we need to work together to try to find how we can grow in this space. So for me, it's not just about you paying for something. We have a conversation. There's a First thing we have, we have a 30 to an hour minute long conversation just about what it is you're trying to accomplish and your goals. And there have been some people that I suggested this may be a better fit for you to maybe try this route or maybe let's try this on a small basis and see how it works out before we go further. And some we didn't go further. You know, we maybe had one or two trial periods. We recognized that this wasn't a fit and we moved on. So. I think for both parties, I think you have to be open and willing to be honest about the relationship and about how you can communicate and if it's going to work for you to gain that end result. So what are some when you're, uh, you know, having those initial conversations with someone, what are kind of some of the qualities that they must have? And what are some of the qualities that are kind of super red flags where, okay, I know this isn't going to work. Red flags is if they already know everything. As you're talking about it, that's a red flag. Someone who already knows all the answers, but is reaching out for help. That's a red flag for me. If you know everything. Secondly, if you're not willing to engage in dialogue, meaning true dialogue is I listen to you and then I respond and then you listen to me, you respond that type of dialogue to be able to actually hear one another. One of the things that I think happens so often is people talk at each other 
as opposed to talking to each other. They talk at each other. They're saying things. They've been here. They've done that. And, you know, oftentimes it can lead to a a non-synergistic, I would say, energy between those two people. So for me, I would say just having that that place of actually being able to listen to one one another and actually respecting the concept to actually see if it's going to be something that helps you. Now, is there a story you can share? Uh, you don't have to name the individual, but maybe a success story where they came to you maybe at a plateau or they were struggling. And then after working with you, they got uh, to a new level. Yeah, I actually had a, a story. It was a family owned business and it was a, mother and a daughter and the challenges that the mother was trying to exit the business and the daughter was coming into the space of running the business and they had done very well. The business had been around for about 25 years. They had been very successful. And the thing that happened is that the daughter had different ideas. She had a different methodology. And I think that often happens when you, run a business one way and you've had success. And then here comes someone now who's like, Oh, I want to do this and do that. And so that innovation oftentimes can seem daunting to someone who's actually sustained that business and kept it afloat and kept it profitable. So in that sessions, in those sessions that we had, we were able to find a place where they embraced each other and respected one another's viewpoints and so it was a transition and, and this happened over a period of time. I think we were working together for about three months and in that transition, they began to embrace one another's ideas and, and see how they were able to work together and still be able to keep some of those old values, but add innovation and keep things up to times. And then in circumstances like that, a lot of times your role is just being kind of that, you know, honest third party, right? Like you're, you're not there really advocating for one or the other. You're just trying to keep everybody playing nicely together so they can all get the outcome they each desire. Absolutely. And it, it involves a lot of listening in order to truly hear each person's perspective and to see where they are having a miscommunication. So that is one of those areas that was a very unique situation for me, but it was, it was a great opportunity to, to sit back and listen and to see the end result for them to come to conclusion. Because at the end of the day, when you're coaching, you're not telling someone it's almost like a physical therapist, a physical therapist, isn't going to fix you. They're going to work with you until you get to the point where you can do it on your own. So I kind of look at coaching almost like an analogy of a physical therapist, someone that's going to work with you and get you to a place where you start to be independent and you start to see how you can do things. And that for me was one of those great moments. Right. And it's important uh, to note that a lot of times if they don't um, have the humility to ask for a coach or, or the vulnerability to ask for a coach and they try to do it themselves, they might've offended each other. They might've, you know, hit some hot button issue that they knew the other person was going to react to and they could have really done damage. And and just like you said, with physical therapy, you can go, okay, I know how to do this and then I can hurt myself worse than I than when I got here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can attest to this, Lee, because as a person who's coached others, I've also received coaching. And it it takes a different level of 
humility. It, it takes a certain level of being open in order to, and, and you know, sometimes you have to have a little thicker skin because some of these things aren't going to always rub you right. But if you want growth, you have to be able to receive it and know that it's coming from a place of trying to help you grow and, you know, don't fight it. Don't fight it. So I've had coaching and I had to, I've heard some things that made me go, ah, yeah, I don't really feel comfortable with what you said, but I had to realize that it was in the best interest for where I was trying to go. Yeah. And that's the important part is a coach, like you said, isn't there to do it for you. It's to help you be the best you. And sometimes that is some tough love or some asking you some hard questions. Absolutely. So what do you need more of? How can we help you? You got so much going on. There's a lot of plates spinning in your world. Well, everything is kind of coming to a head. It's, it's all in the same vein because now, you know, I'm running the media business. We're doing films, you know, I'm doing speaking and also leadership training. And one of the things that I really focus on is youth. I really focus on helping the youth find their voice through teaching them how to speak, how to communicate, how to interview, how to present themselves. And that's something that is now more for me like a passion. I really love working with youth and I love giving back and into the next generation. So that's kind of where I really am. I've always done this, but it's just something now that as my kids are getting older, they're out of college, getting their masters. I now can start to impart into other, other children. So that's really where I am. Lee, I just really want to continue to keep the business steady and grow it and continue to work with youth and give back. So if somebody wants to connect with you and learn more, uh, what is the website? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, if you want to get in touch with me and other things, you can go to forestuff.com. That's F O two R's, two T's, two F's, F O R R E S T T U F F.com. And if you want to know more about my business and working in the production space, you can visit onevisionproductions.com. Good stuff. Well, congratulations on all the success. Uh, you're doing such important work, and we appreciate you. Thank you so much, Lee. I really appreciate you having me on. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Atlanta Business Radio.